0: Hello, this is Josh in the editing booth. Uh, We're going to have to make a big apology for this one. Chad and I recorded this uh, many, 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 many weeks ago, and it got left in the chamber and never got edited by yours truly, so my bad on that. Uh, So it's a little dated, but it needed to be edited, and so I got it edited and got it released. Uh, We've been so busy with getting ready for Geekway to the West in St. Louis, which we attended uh, earlier this month. Things have just kind of been on high center with the podcast, and uh, I had intended for us to do some recording while we were at the show, but uh, things got away from us, and uh, we just didn't have any really good opportunities. So here's the show that should have been released uh, a month plus ago. It's not good.
1: No, it's not good at all.
0: All right, do me a sound check where you talk about this far away from it
1: like this yeah about this far away perfect or some junk that's what you want I think that's about and we played Candyland but that didn't really count I'll, I'll say it but I am <laughs> gonna go on about Candyland Land. Right.
0: It was so awesome I loved when I flipped this card over and won the game <laughs>
1: <laughs> vote for us for the Golden Geek obviously we're worth the Golden Geek best podcast in the world super best podcast in fact I think they already voted on that oh man I think we didn't win. (laughs) I thought we were a finalist, though. Notes here. Oh, my joke won't even be about farts this time.
0: (laughs) That's a good. That's a good change. Classing it up. (laughs) Classing the joint up. All right. (laughs) All right. Hello, it's Friday, April 12th, 2019, and you're listening to Episode 5 of Dice Dads, the tabletop gaming podcast that focuses on the parent gamer and the challenges we all face juggling the hobby that we love with the responsibilities of work and family. My name is Josh Fry, and with me as always, like that demon that's locked in my attic, is my co-host, Chad Scott.
1: Hello. How's
0: life in your neck of the woods today, my friend?
1: Uh, doing well. I'm I'm tired, because it's about four hours past my bedtime, but other than that i'm doing well
0: Well, we like to record this podcast super late because it brings out the best in both of us
1: (laughs) yes if i say silly things you understand why
0: okay very good very good all right well it's been a minute since you and i've been on the podcast Mm -hmm. together
1: it's been too long
0: we uh we've had a lot of things going on we've been going in different directions Mm -hmm. but it's good that we're Back and talking about uh, some interesting tabletop topics today. So uh, in front of us, we're uh, going to be talking a little bit about what we've been playing. Uh, And then we've got a discussion topic where we're going to discuss the value of analog gaming for kids. Uh, and then we're gonna wrap things up with a discussion about uh what our convention schedule looks like the rest of the year
1: we've got a convention schedule
0: we have a convention schedule now i'm excited to say my goodness not so much the last couple of weeks but we do now i do now awesome All right, so what we have been playing lately? What have you been playing lately, Chad? Um,
1: lately, um, well, the most recently we play Candyland because he just wanted to play Candyland. Sweet. I know it's a it's a fun one.
0: You like what I did there? when I said sweet.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it sounded sincere. <laughs> no, but we do play by the rule of uh, you pick two cards and you choose the one you want. It keeps the whole uh, the fiasco of where you're about to win, and then you go all the way back to the Peppermint Forest from happening. So that's a nice change to help uh, prevent tears and to help the game finish a little more quickly. That's a good idea. Uh, another game, I finally broke down and set up uh, Rampage, because I talked about it on the podcast a few times. And I was like, i, I got to get this thing on the table and see what uh, little man thinks about it so he set up rampage which takes a little while to get set up if you've ever played it all those meeples and buildings you gotta
0: yeah there's a lot of stacking involved in setting that game up
1: yeah he was pretty much no help on that so i set the whole thing up and um he really got into it because you know it's monsters and smashing stuff because i told him we're gonna we're gonna uh, smash all these buildings and he really got uh pumped up about that um, so we went over the rules and he got those pretty good but it quickly just turned into you know forget the rules let's just break stuff. I want to drop my monster from two feet high and watch the people's scatter
0: <laughs> which me- makes it a different kind of fun game but it's still mm-hmm. it can be still be fun that way
1: yeah, but no he had a blast with it it was a lot of fun so definitely recommended um i don't know if six is the, quite the right age for it yet maybe one more year but he's he's pretty close he played it pretty well but he know like the powers he didn't really get those each character has their own unique superpower and that sort of thing but he had a lot of fun with it
0: yeah i think i'm trying to remember exactly how old my oldest uh, two sons were when i broke that out we got it out at christmas the year that i got it and i think matthew might have been six or seven when we played it and uh that was the first dexterity game that they've ever played. Where you know a dexterity game for those listeners that may not recognize that term is a a board game that involves some uh, element of physical dexterity to play the game. So in this case, your giant rampaging Godzilla monsters, I guess, is probably the right way to describe them. Yeah. And uh, and so they're represented as like a wooden block that you move through a three dimensional city that's comprised of tiers of. Little wooden meeples and and uh, cardboard, right? So
1: right, you have a little wooden disc about the size of a quarter, I guess, mm-hmm. except taller. Th- it's thicker than a quarter, but um and you have to flick it to move around the board. And well, given that he's you know he's younger, there were a lot of redos <laughs> and that sort of thing. There were a
0: lot of pieces ending up on the floor when I played them with with my kids the first time. Oh yeah.
1: But yeah, you know, you go easy. It's not like oh, I'm not a stickler to the rule,
0: because
1: he, he flicked it multiple times before mm-hmm. he he got the result he wanted.
0: The other move I really enjoyed in that game was the fire or the the breath weapon. I guess is I don't remember if it was called fire breathing or not, but
1: I think it's just called super breath. Or super breath, breath weapon, maybe of yeah.
0: But you basically have to put your your own chin on the top of your monster where he is on the board and then you blow really hard and whatever falls down falls down like he's blowing over the things on the, on the city was mm-hmm. a fun That was a lot of fun very cool what else
1: i think that's about that's all i remember let's put it that way oh, I, got you. I need to keep a log <laughs>
0: well i've been trying to get a few things to the table myself um I actually just got my Kickstarter package for Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea in the mail not that long ago from uh, Gameland Games. Cool. Uh, that's their first non-small box game that uh, is a. It's kind of a light 4x game, which you know, 4x is the explore, exterminate. Uh, what are the other two Xs, uh, expand, and X Men. X Men. That's what it <laughs> is, <laughs> and. Uh, and so you uh, it, it very much feels like Warcraft because you take a, a faction of, of characters and you start on a continent and you build your buildings and that allow, allows you to field other um, figures, specific mm-hmm. figures to the board and then you move around and eventually you end up in somebody else's backyard and so you have to attack them and it's that kind of that kind of game so right. Uh, so I've been trying to put together all the little cardboard buildings that came in that. And we haven't actually got to play it yet, but it's it's been fun trying to get it prepped.
1: Yeah, no, I remember seeing it on there. It looked really cool. Uh,
0: the other thing I've played a few times with, uh, with my son Matthew is a game called Dice Masters, which uh, I just uh, introduced you to uh, before we started the podcast tonight.
1: Yeah, it was one of those games. I remember when it came out two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. It's
0: been about uh, three years, I think, since that. Launched
1: three years ago. I really wanted to get it, but nobody had it. I mean, you couldn't, I'd go to game stores and say, Hey, you got any? You no, know, we can't keep it on the shelves. So I just kind of gave up and never, never gave it a second thought. Mm-hmm. But then uh, I noticed, you know, more recently, you can go on eBay and buy people's whole sets for <laughs>
0: right not too bad. Not yeah, too- they. They really had a, a lot of problems with the release of that game because the uh, the initial production could not meet the immediate demand once they announced it, and uh, and so it was really hard to find any of it. Not just the 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 single um, uh, expansion packs, the 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 set builder packs, but also the starter sets and the and the neoprene mats and all the other. Stuff that goes with the game—it was all of it was impossible to find. And then by the time manufacturing caught up with it, it seemed like the interest in the game was starting to wane, and a lot of the alpha gamers were already moving on to something else. And and uh, and they've continued to put out different sets with different themes. They've gone through several of the DC Comics heroes and the Marvel Comics heroes, and they've done a Dungeons and Dragons one, and I think a Pokemon one, and and so now it's uh, it's kind of like you say—you look if you look around and kind of do some comparison shopping you can get a good deal either on somebody's set that they're sick and tired of or Mm -hmm. or you can just buy a a a gravity feed box like i did i bought a 90 count gravity feed uh, box of spider-man which gave us way more than we needed to uh, play the game so um but uh i don't know it's 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 an interesting take on um a collectible game it's it kind of takes the idea of a collectible card game and turns it on its ear because it uses a, a card and die um, interface that's a little bit different. And you end up buying dice from the board and putting them into a bag and kind of doing a bag building scenario where the contents of your bag gets better and better as the game progresses along. And and uh, it's still very much the kind of the Magic the Gathering feel where you're playing two player and you're just trying to bash the other person to out of existence. but Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of an interesting interesting approach anyway to the collectible model. I don't know what were your thoughts on it
1: uh, Well, I, I thought it was a lot of fun um but yeah that's that's basically it you know um it seems like you do need I, I can see kind of the uh where the because of the collectible collectible part of it uh if you were playing against someone else who had more cards to choose from, and you're stuck with a smaller, you know, it's kind of the magic, the gathering thing. If I'm building a deck out of a thousand cards versus you building a deck out of your choice of 200 cards, I'm going to have a better deck most of the time.
0: Right. It also very much feels like to, with respect to what you were just saying, if I know what you're uh, fielding in terms of cards, I can build a, uh, a cancellation set that, that allows me to have a very specific upper hand on, on what you're, what strategy you're bringing to the table, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I felt I felt I felt like that was kind of hard to get past, just because we were trying to play it very casually. But the game doesn't really give you any suggestions on like how to set up, you know, how to set up a a set of cards for for one player. Uh, you're just basically picking them willy nilly from what you have available, and like the first time I set up a deck. I didn't have any cheap cards, and I realized real quickly why you have to have some. Because I, they got pounded to death by my ten-year-old, who had a bunch of three and four-cost uh, units and was able to get them all out onto the board and then just crush me when I couldn't, I mm-hmm. couldn't purchase anything yet. So, uh, so there's certain, certainly some lessons to be learned there, and I could see where repeated plays would uh, kind of, yeah. allow you to meta the game a right. little
1: bit. You tune your deck and, yeah, counter the other guy. But no, it was a lot of fun. Uh, too bad it's out of print now. But.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel like if uh, if you're at all interested in that game, you maybe want to hurry and grab some of it before it's gone. Because uh, I'm guessing it's one of those things that uh, you're not going to see a lot of after it kind of disappears. And having said that, of course, the Star Wars Destiny game that's out now, I feel like, is kind of the natural iteration from Dice Masters. Same kind of thing. Okay. Because it also... Uh, and I haven't played it yet, so please don't uh, email me crucifying me for my not understanding the rules, but, uh, but having watched a little bit of it in play, it looks like it's similar in that it uses a card and dice combination, uh, and, and you're pre-constructing a set of cards and dice that you use when you go into the game, so obviously the combinations that you can come in with, you know, are very dependent on different strategies, and and who you're playing then and the strategy that they're fielding you know, matters against the one that you're using. So,
1: mm-hmm. And if you are a uh, Dice Masters player and you've got Spider-Mans, feel free to email Josh your uh, deck recommendations. <laughs>
0: because mine aren't very good? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. He yeah. needs as
1: much help as possible.
0: Yeah, they were... I'll give you that. They are pretty terrible. Having said <laughs> that, you pretty much trounced me with Carnage.
1: I did. Carnage... Well, I got two Carnage dice out and that... Was right. was pretty much your undoing at that well, point.
0: Well, I only had Iceman to block with, and he was kind of a wiener, so <laughs> it didn't really work out so well for Josh, but we won't dwell on that. Speaking of Star Wars, I would be remiss if we didn't stop for a second and talk about today's big event.
1: Wait, what, what happened today?
0: <laughs> don't act like you don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I do know.
0: So it is April 12th, and if you're listening to this, I imagine you're enough of a nerd, you probably know this, but today was the... Official release of the episode nine teaser trailer for the next Star Wars movie. They actually released it at Star Wars Celebration, which is uh, currently going on uh, in and now I'm going to look stupid, California or Florida. I'm not sure which one it is, but it's at one of the Disney places.
1: Right. Feel um, feel free to email Josh the correct location, <laughs> users.
0: But anyway, I watched the video. I actually watched the teaser trailer first. And then I watched the video of the people at Star Wars Celebration who had watched the teaser trailer so you could get their, you know, their big uh, excitement Woo-hoo! response. Yeah, right. Yeah. All their plastic lightsabers waving in the air. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, if you haven't checked that one out, check it out on YouTube. It's it's interesting. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing that was kind of cool, um, and... This discussion of this trailer may have some teaser spoilers in it, but uh, just go out and watch the stupid thing. I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm not gonna worry about spoilers, right? It's uh, like it's like a minute and a half long, so
1: right. It's it's a trailer. I don't think you can spoil anything, <laughs> right?
0: So, <clears throat> but there is a point at the very end where you hear the ominous laughing of the Emperor Palpatine at the end. And when I watched the trailer for myself, I didn't think much of that. But at the Star Wars celebration, all the lights went down, you know, as the screen got dark. Hmm. And then uh, as the Emperor's laugh, you know, f- you know, faded up from there, uh, the lights came back up. And Ian McDiarmid, who is the actor that plays Emperor Palpatine, was standing on stage. So apparently there's more to that, that he's actually going to be in the movie. It's not just... They didn't just use that as a spooky laugh a kind of thing construct in the in the trailer without reason. So that's cool. I thought that was interesting that they potentially are going to bring back the emperor, and mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm curious to see how they're going to thread that into the into the story.
1: How he survived,
0: right? Or if it's just going to be a flashback, or yeah. you know what the deal is, but. But uh, I imagine the internet kind of imploded after that got released, too. Yeah. I, had, I did talk to a friend of mine from work shortly after I watched it, and he said that uh, if, you, if you have any uh, thoughts on enjoying the movie, don't go read any of the uh, comments that got put on the, the YouTube <laughs> posting for it, because apparently all the haters were just waiting to get out there and hate on it. So. No, but,
1: haters gonna hate. That's right. It doesn't matter what, there's, there's a troll for everything.
0: I think there was a lot of people left with a sour taste in their mouth after the last one, so
1: yeah, it'll
0: be interesting to see how they circle back around. I like that they're bringing Billy D. Williams back, and mm-hmm. and of course that you know that was kind of a foregone conclusion because he hadn't been in any of the other ones thus far, but
1: right, and he knew the big the big names were all coming back at some point, right.
0: So that's but that's cool to see that he's gonna be back, and uh, and it'll be interesting to see how they bring the the uh, the emperor back into the story. The biggest thing that I thought was kind of a head scratcher was the name presentation right because they really kept a tight lid on what this one was going to be called Mm -hmm. so rise of skywalker i'm curious to see what they mean by that (laughs) it'll be
1: interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: One of the things I thought we would talk about a little bit uh, today is, um, you know, what positives do kids take away from tabletop gaming, and, and why is it something that potentially you want to get your kids interested and in, invested in when they're uh, when they're uh, young?
1: Yes, I think. It's, well, first of all, I'm, I'm glad to use the word tabletop. I don't like the word analog, personally. But no, I'm I'm all for uh, putting down the electrical devices and doing something unplugged.
0: Mm-hmm. It seems like in this day and age, I mean there there are countless opportunities to uh, be in front of a screen. I mean our kids, I think, are are pressed with that more and more every day. Elements of their education is is getting to be more and more online. They're doing testing online. They're doing review for for things online. Uh, I know. Um, well, aren't my, 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 school books
1: on laptops now. So and... They're starting to be, and
0: yeah. uh, and I know, like my oldest, a lot of his. Um, Uh, review materials that he brings home or that he doesn't bring them home rather they're actually on a a google classroom that we have to log into Mm -hmm. so you know just i mean i mean not only the stuff that they're doing in school but you know most of their options for um for entertainment are starting you know are, are more and more uh screen based whether that's tv or video games or what have you and so uh, it's not that there are fewer opportunities to do things that aren't screen-based, but I think it's it's hard to make them as, um, as interest-drawing, maybe would be the right way to say that, right? It's hard to get their focus away from the other things mm-hmm. that are screen-based and find things that, uh, that allow them to be a little more interactive with uh, the, p- the people around them.
1: Right. Well, I mean, yeah, with, with your screens, it's flashy. It's a huge... It, it, it sucks you in quickly uh, because of the, the all the graphics, the audio and whatnot. Whereas, yeah. you know, on a, a board game, tabletop thing, it's not going to be as flashy. It's a, right. less of an immediate draw. And you have
0: to use your imagination, whereas uh, I think... In, Which is
1: one of the important things about
0: <laughs> analog gaming. <laughs> it, 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 very, it very much is. I mean, uh, I think kids have fewer and fewer reasons to use their uh, imaginations. And, and certainly imaginative play in particular... I feel like takes a backseat to a lot of uh, multimedia experiences that try to put you on a series of rails, and then you just kind of experience it the way you would a movie in some respects. And it's more interactive, obviously, mm-hmm. but still it's the illusion of interaction because you're at the end of the day you're not necessarily interacting with other people. Uh, and even those scenarios where you have like playing online games, for example, where other people are playing. It's still abstracted because everybody's behind an avatar or a character or something. So you're really not dealing with those people, you know, face to face the way that you would in any other social environment once you've taken the, the electronics away from it.
1: Right. It could be one of their personas online, you know, so to speak.
0: Sure. And,
1: where is it you're at a table, I guess you could still <laughs> pretend to be someone else at a table. Right.
0: But, that's where your social deduction games come in. Right? If, <laughs> right. if you want to lie and say you're, you know, you're not the traitorous werewolf that's trying to eat all you. the villagers. I'm not a Cylon. You're not the Cylon in the Battlestar Galactica game, right? Those yeah. are those are games that allow you to flex that muscle, right? Mm-hmm. Very true. But you're very you're very uh, right, though, though that uh, you know even in those um, uh, online multiplayer games. You know, you are allowed to create a construct of yourself that isn't necessarily yourself.
1: Right. Well, the other thing, too, and this goes to a lot of a lot of online stuff these days, like social media and whatnot. When you're playing an online game. If if I piss you off, all I got to do is unplug it. And there's really no other repercussions other than that. Right. If I'm playing a board game with you and I piss you off. You may throw you may throw a punch. You may throw <laughs> water in my face. Who knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah, I think it's just kind of a different.
0: Uh... It's just a, it's a different scenario, and it puts you right in. It, it puts you immediately in the interaction with the other person, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, one of the things I hearken uh, back to that's similar is you know the way people are as the way people can be as hateful as they can be when it comes to making comments online, whether that's in social media or in commentary underneath YouTube videos, right, things like that. Or whatever, news articles, yeah. News articles, yeah. It's very easy once I'm hidden behind the screen moniker that I have mm-hmm. to be ultra-negative or hateful or say something that I would never say to somebody's face. Mm-hmm. Not that I do that. I realize I just said what it made it sound like. That's what I like to do. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, but it's just very easy to do that because, like you said, there's no repercussions, right? right? And I think kids are growing up today oblivious to the fact that that's not how the real world works, right? Right. The rest of us are the old fogies. You know, <laughs> uh, had to grow up with some sense of uh, respect for other people, respect in situations where you're dealing with people uh, as a larger group, mm-hmm. right? um, not speaking over somebody, that kind of thing, you know, those are all just tenants that were expected as part of your appropriate level of behavior. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think as our society becomes more and more, uh, distended and not, um, forced to be in those situations all the time, I think that's something that kids aren't necessarily given, the complete tool set for as they grow up. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I appreciate about tabletop gaming is it it forces kids back into that situation, but in a fun way, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, certainly one of the things that I, that's attracted you and I both to the hobby is You get a lot of good experiences with a lot of strangers, you know. I mean, uh, I'll be the first to say, you know, if you go to a a game convention, you go to a game night at your local, friendly local game store, it's pretty easy to meet people who are as nice as they possibly can be that you've never met before.
1: Mm -hmm. And it's easy to plot. You can pretty much plop down almost anywhere and quickly build a rapport and... Have a good time with someone you didn't even know. Because
0: you've got that common element in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know you, you don't know me, but we both kind of know the game. So you use Mm -hmm. the game as the bridge to then be able to strike up some kind of connection, you know? And Mm -hmm. I know one of the things that I am able to look back on now and say, I got that from gaming is recognizing that, you know, if you're in a situation, a cocktail party, or you have to go to a dinner. Uh, maybe you're going to you know a party where it's all of your spouse's friends that you don't know very well. That's a good uh, talent to be able to know, right? Is and it doesn't necessarily have to be the board game that's the bridge, but mm-hmm. you look around and you figure out what the bridge is so that you can start that conversation. You know, mm-hmm. oh, everybody here likes. University of Oklahoma football, so right. maybe I'll bring some of that up, and we can th- then we have something to talk about that's not just sitting around awkwardly staring, you know, off into space. Right. And I feel like you know, kids aren't necessarily learning that because they don't always have to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's a good thing that I think is a takeaway that you can, you know, learn how to build a rapport and in a in and and be able to talk to people that you don't know very well, you right. know, and. and
1: and also, the thing they've got now is if they don't like the people they're talking to, they just go to a different channel. Right. You know.
0: And in the real world, sometimes you're stuck there for thirty minutes. Right. right? You're there until the uh, you're you're there until the flute recital is over. Right. <laughs> and you you just have to continue having that small talk with the the parents next to you while you're uh, while you're waiting for that to, to finish. <laughs> right. So, yep. 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 Um, the other thing I feel like. Um, it can be a big takeaway from tabletop gaming is um, thinking on your feet, you know, and, and and I guess what I mean by that is, um, you know, there, there are a lot of different kinds of games that stretch a lot of different mental muscles, but obviously things like social deduction games, give you the opportunity to um, try to figure out a, uh, you know, a problem that's sitting in front of you with limited information. Mm -hmm. Who's the murderer at the table, for instance, or, you know, who's lying about being the werewolf in, mm-hmm. in the in the classic game of werewolf? Um, how do I lie well to be the werewolf and not be picked out of the crowd? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, those are all obviously the skill of lying <laughs> is not necessarily <laughs> something everybody needs to hone. But, you know, but being able to reason your way into and out of that situation is, is, is very good. and It's a life skill that you'll right. come back to over and over again.
1: I mean, it's it's not like lying hasn't been around forever. Look at poker, a classic game. Sure. What do you do? You bluff sometimes. Right. Right? you got to trick people into thinking you're in a better position than you really are. So it it is a skill that's Mm -hmm. been around and used in tabletop games forever.
0: Sure. And certainly, you know, there's other, there's other games that, again, uh, approach different, you know, mental muscles, but there's games that force you to have to do math, you know, simple math fairly quickly in mm-hmm. your head. Uh, how do I figure out how much damage all of these tanks did against this battleship? Or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how many turns is it going to take me to move? all these units from these five different points and converge on my enemy at the top of this hill or on this enemy planet or whatever, you know. There's just a lot of opportunities to to think your way into a, either a strategy problem or um, a, a resource management problem, which is not just math, but how do I optimize a, a situation, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I think those are all skills that... Uh, while you can say some of them are math-related skills, I, I would also say they're just, in general, they're just good life skills. You know, how, how, do I, how do I make the most of a situation where either I have limited information or I can only do the best I can with what I've got, you mm-hmm. know? Um, I think kids struggle with that because we don't give them enough opportunities to try and fail with things anymore. And um, And, you know, that's kind of the neat thing about... Tabletop games is their little miniature opportunities to succeed or fail, mm-hmm. and so what if you fail small on that level, you know? And uh, you know, f- for instance, you're you're gonna kick my tail 37 times at the same board game potentially, right? But that's 37 times I learned how to play it a little bit better,
1: right? Hopefully, yeah. you learn something each time, something right. different.
0: Now, that doesn't mean I'm I probably never beat you
1: at that game, probably not,
0: right? But I'll, I'll stink a little less each time, right? so. <laughs>
1: yes electronic games you can do a lot of this stuff as well you still have social interaction you still have to think on your toes you can still work on uh, you know like twitch skills and whatever um, there is a little I wouldn't say as much imagination but there's probably some involved into it in it as well and you can still learn things you know because one thing I was uh, going to bring up is you know um, like in the analog games Candyland as much as we rip on it you can still learn things like colors right and you can learn how, which to is really
0: play. what it was originally factored to yeah. be, right? It was a color learning game,
1: right? But I mean, grand, you could probably do that in some, There's probably some electronic <laughs> game that does it too. But you know, another thing you learned, which we kind of hit on, is how to be a gracious winner, how to not be a mm-hmm. sad loser, mm-hmm. how to take turns, how to follow rules.
0: I know those were all the big things that I had to. We had to game our way through those principles first. Mm -hmm. Uh, when i was first playing games with my very young children you know Mm -hmm. and the game really didn't matter or whether we finished it didn't matter i realized it was going to take several games to learn you know the skill of just because you're behind doesn't mean you throw your hands up and quit right Right.
1: this game sucks
0: (laughs) right and you know and i think we all as people have to kind of learn that to an extent you have to learn how to be a gracious loser Mm -hmm. you have to learn how to be a Uh, a humble winner right right Um, or you should i I guess there's plenty of people out there who either never learn that or don't live by that code but uh but i would argue the world would be a better place if we all you know took a step in that direction
1: oh doyle rules (laughs) exactly
0: (laughs) but uh again coming back to kind of you know the idea of there being some life skills there I, i think i think there's a lot to be picked up there that uh that you take with you you know and and going back to your comment that um you know video games and tabletop games also have some things in common to offer you know one of the things i think uh, i learned a lot from growing up was the idea of working together in a cooperative format you know uh, for for me, it was uh, a lot of that was uh, role playing games. You know, playing mm-hmm. games like Dungeons and Dragons, for example.
1: That's cooperative um, and problem solving is what that is. Right, you know, where <laughs> you,
0: you would be given a challenge that by yourself you had no way of, mm-hmm. of resolving, but uh, but the key that was in front of you was, you know, I you know we we've got a group of disparate people with different skill sets, and we've got a you know we have a strong fighter, but we also have a powerful wizard, and maybe we have a sneaky rogue you know that can open traps that the rest of them wouldn't be able to open you know and you add all those skills together and figure out how to use them in conjunction with each other right and you can do a lot more as a group than you can as a as a separate you know individual Mm -hmm. and you know i think that's an important life skill too because uh i mean certainly you know if you uh, if you go down one of Many, many life paths, you'll be expected to work in some kind of a group environment, you know. Uh, but learning that you can't do everything yourself is an important life skill, I feel like, you know. And, yeah. And that people are different, and that's a good thing, that people are different, you know.
1: Well, one thing that does seem to be missing in the workplace these days is just the, the softer skills. Yeah. You know, just yeah. people skills. For sure. Being able to <laughs> to work with people, talk to people. And not not you know drive everyone insane or alienate everybody or
0: be able to ask concisely for something right. in Just a way that makes sure. people not want to punch you in the face. Right.
1: A couple more things on the whole analog games, um, tabletop games. I said I don't like that word. Why do I keep like saying it? Analog. Holy moly, tabletop games. Um, it's not as much an issue nowadays because um, of the portability of electronic games. But that was one of the big knocks. A tabletop game, you could take with you. You could take it anywhere. You got Mm -hmm. a deck of cards? You can take a deck of cards almost anywhere. Take it Mm -hmm. on a plane. Take it and play in the car while you're riding. Mm -hmm. Before, (laughs) Before... you couldn't back take, when you didn't have
0: seat belts, that is, you could play right. cards in the game, cards right. in the car. <laughs> but you
1: couldn't take your, you know, console TV and Atari and and play in the car. Right nowadays, you unhook the Switch or whatever handheld your iPhone or iPad and you can play in the car. So it like I said, not as much today as it used to be. Hmm. But you know, I, I remember lots of trips with a deck of cards playing cribbage or you know.
0: Uh, hearts or games hearts, like that, go yeah. fish,
1: whatever. <laughs> Another thing too is, as you get older, if you if you develop this love for games, it's something that can help keep your mind fresh as you get older. Um, you know, which is going to have obvious health effects mm-hmm. to, to help, uh, you know, fight off things like Alzheimer's, dementia. Just take a look at our own grandmother, ninety two, still enjoys playing games. Mm-hmm. I'll go over and we'll play Farkle. Or we'll play uh, when I've got more people. We'll sit down and play a game of pitch. Um, now, she's not as as sharp as she used to be, but she still remembers the rules mm-hmm. and how to play, and she still has a good time. Um, you know, so fostering that, building those uh, the, the enjoyment for for a ta- for those table type top games mm-hmm. uh, can go on for a lifetime.
0: And doctors certainly back that up nowadays. You know, they'll they'll tell you that uh, keeping your mind active and you know flexing that mental muscle over and over again is just as important as keeping your body healthy and that uh, as you get older um, not taking your brain out for a walk every so often is a sure way to start you know down the path towards some of those uh, ailments and diseases that nobody wants to have to deal with right. you know so uh, it's to your advantage really i mean you're exactly right it's to your advantage to to you know to get into something like that that forces you to have to um strengthen that skill and, and and keep it up on a daily basis
1: hmm? well i mean i keep going back to the deck of cards just because do you remember i don't know if you remember but uh grandma's house you pull open the drawer how many freaking decks of cards were in there
0: i do remember grandma's house if yeah. that's what you're asking me
1: you remember the drawer with <laughs> yes i like remember
0: the giant drawer that was over 50, 50 decks of cards yeah
1: in the same way at my parents house. and 30
0: cribbage boards and, yeah yeah
1: you know, it's uh, that's what we played back then, because <laughs> that's what they grew up with and right. they knew and loved. Um, I forgot where I was going. We
0: played the heck out of some Yahtzee on some camping trips too. I remember
1: we did play a lot of Yahtzee. It, again, easy portable game mm-hmm. unless you lose the dice.
0: Unless you lose the dice, <laughs> <laughs>
1: or someone puts them in their nose, but
0: <laughs>
1: that's bound to happen eventually, anyways. Yeah.
0: So ultimately. Uh, i I ask one question then uh do we want our kids to be gamers as they grow up?
1: I feel like yes, I would want my child to at least have an appreciation for gaming mm-hmm. as he gets older. I mean part of that is for selfish reasons, let's be honest because you know I enjoy gaming and hopefully sure. I can continue and to game with him like I do with my father
0: and it's something you want to do as a family unit and, and right. you know and and I certainly feel like that too if. I don't expect uh, I don't expect my kids to get into all of my hobbies with as much passion as as I have for them because they're going to be their own people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I would love them to at least get some kind of an appreciation for gaming, digital or tabletop, uh, so that you know, so that they find things to work into their own life as they go. Um, because I honestly don't believe when somebody says to me. Well, I don't play games. I don't accept that as an answer from somebody because yeah. I think you do.
1: Everyone plays a game.
0: You just don't recognize that it's a different kind of game than what you're talking about. You know, I obviously being a, a huge board game nerd, um, I run into people in different walks of life that don't that wouldn't see that as a hobby that they would find interesting, right? And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I think it's funny when, you know, you talk to people like that and they're like, well, I don't like games. I don't like games at all. Well, but then they'll talk your ear off about a basketball game that they watched, you know, the night before last, or mm-hmm. they'll go on and on about a fishing trip that they went on. Right. Which mm-hmm. at the end of the day, sports are games, right? Yeah. You could consider um,
1: that a, an, that would it, be an analog game.
0: <laughs> right. And, you know and the the reason that we like sports is the same reason that you like all other kind of games. There's a winner and there's a you know a, mm-hmm. a point to the, the whether it's a competition or not. there's a point to the thing uh, and a and a success or a, a lack thereof you know mm-hmm. that you can either be excited about or not.
1: Yeah, that was one thing I forgot to, to talk about was it tabletop games will help scratch that competitive itch.
0: Yeah, sure. Very much so. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, and the competitive itch too. You know, if you want to work together in a group, there's games for that. If you want to crush your friends into nothingness, there's games for that, you know, and everything in in between. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I just feel like, uh, well, and, and, you know, the other thing that I really feel is true is with the advent of uh, smartphones and, um, and app developed games that you can fit in your pocket, you know, it kind of goes back to what you said about, uh, back in the day, you know, you could take a deck of cards pretty much anywhere. You could take it, you know, in the car, you could take it to a restaurant. You could do a lot of things with a deck of cards. Well, we've supplanted that in a lot of cases with mm-hmm. our phones. Yep. And I'm not at all surprised to see people from walks of life that you would never think that they would be interested in picking up a, a simple you know uh, a simple app game on their phone can get super addicted to that in mm-hmm. the spare time that they apply towards that you know to me that just reinforces the notion the suggestion that you know we all like games there's a game for our, everyone the, out there games are fun right yeah. and we all enjoy having fun we all enjoy having a sense of play mm-hmm. we just don't always like to admit that we do right and right. even the most serious people who think that play is for kids mm-hmm. have something they do for entertainment, right? And mm-hmm. and in that sense, that's a sense of play, right? So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know, and I, I think to not have that somewhere in your life makes you a much more dull person. So,
1: right, uh, you're lame
0: the 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 response i usually like to pull out when i'm talking to somebody like that is oh there's a game out there for everybody you just got to figure out what it is you (laughs) haven't found it yet (laughs) you haven't found yours yet so that's you know my hope for at least for my kids is that uh you know that i can at least open them up to enough different kinds of games that they maybe find some things that they enjoy enough that you know Mm -hmm. that, that it sticks with them much in the way that some of the things we played when we were kids with our grandmother and our parents and that kind of thing with each other, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that those have stuck with us and become part of our, you know, our makeup, our constitution, uh, the, what makes us who we are moving mm-hmm. forward. So.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Okay. So, now we have to have a fun discussion about convention time. It's that time of year, Chad. Did you know that it's convention time?
1: Yeah, summer spring summer is when convention season. It starts ramping up in the spring and then really hits hard in the summer, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I tend to always miss it. <laughs>
0: well, it's certainly hard to it's certainly hard for us to uh, get in front of as much of that as we'd like to, because we're we're busy and we're doing a lot of things, and mm-hmm. uh, certainly um, family and work and everything else kind of sometimes make it hard to get mm-hmm. out there to some of those. But
1: we usually make it. I, I try to make it to some of the smaller ones at least mm-hmm. every year. It's the big ones that are harder to go to. You know, they're you're going to have to travel, you're going to get a hotel room, and obviously they're going to cost a little more to get into. Mm-hmm. So it's it's more of a it's a bigger ask at home and uh, financially to, to do those sort of things
0: yeah exactly well and and we here in Oklahoma have been a little unfortunate that uh, most of the um, the bigger game cons are not local um, and so and really up until late, lately we haven't had a lot of um, tabletop specific, local cons to to dig into, and I'm happy to report that that seems like it's changing. It does. Uh, we've, we've had a number of things pop up here in the last five years or so that have really turned that on its ear. Um, uh, we've got, well, actually last year was the first occurrence of TokenCon, which is uh, uh, our, our first um board game specific con here in oklahoma city mm-hmm. um you and i went to that last year and we had a, a exhibition booth there
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, we showed off our card game all hands on deck and also our first game summon mm-hmm. area uh and that was a blast I, I had a great time doing that
1: yeah no, like like we talked about it was a it was a great con great first time con
0: mm-hmm. so and know, they're
1: gearing up to do uh, do one again this year
0: you're right and uh, we plan on being there this year so i think that's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how much bigger that gets this year? Because I know, um, uh, I don't think they quite sold out on tickets last year, but I think they got a lot of interest in the, you know, the time immediately following it. So I'd be real surprised if they didn't sell quite a few more tickets if they, if they can take the extra people in the space they have got. Yeah, um, and
1: not do it on OU Texas weekend.
0: Not do it on OU Texas weekend might help. Right. Yeah. I, I know that's uh, that that drew away some people last mm-hmm. year. I don't know how many, but I'm sure it took some.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, some other big uh, conventions that we've been to in the past. Uh, uh, this year, um, we're going to be going to uh, Geekway to the West, which is the big uh, board game convention in St. It's actually St. Charles, but it's St. Louis, Louis essentially mm-hmm. uh, at the St. Charles Convention Center. Uh, I've been the last two years uh, just to go and check it out. Um, a bunch of us went up and, and kind of experienced that, and that was a lot of fun. And this year we're actually going to have a vendor booth there, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, get a chance to show off what we're doing with Salamander Games at uh, in the Missouri area, where I'm sure we're not as visible.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so that'll be a lot of fun.
1: And you will eat In in... Unbelievable amounts of food that is terrible for you.
0: <laughs> that is usually the con schedule that we set yeah. up. Uh... And
1: I'm not talking Twinkies and cupcakes and stuff. They go out and eat, you know, they hit the Yelp, find the hole-in-the-wall restaurants, try right. them out, and just eat way too much. That's right.
0: We, we have eat to excess. We have lots of pizza and barbecue. I know it was a big one the last. I was time jealous we of your to, barbecue picture
1: last year. He we
0: went to St. Louis. And one of the reasons I really enjoy getting away on these uh, on these trips is that uh, we get to eat a lot of good food and spend a lot of you know fun time together with friends that we don't get to spend a lot of time with. And you know, it just kind of gets you out of your your little personal cloud for a while, and, and you get to play some games, and and even uh, on these working trips where we're gonna go and uh, run a, a vendor booth, for example, you get to meet so many nice people who come up and ask you about what you're doing and want to know more about your game and your company, and mm-hmm. it's just it's fun to be able to meet all those people and strike up new friendships. You see the same people the next year, and mm-hmm. um, it's just it's just a lot of fun to be. It's a it's a it's an energy that I I. Don't know that I have seen in a lot of other situations that I've been in. It's mm-hmm. very positive, and you end up, you know, it can be draining physically uh, when you're there for several days at a time. But it's also a very positive experience, um, you know, as far as you know, just the experience of being there. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so uh, some other uh, markers on our um, convention. Uh, roster for the year. Uh we're looking at BGG Con in November.
1: Uh, I'm going to try to be at that one. It's kind
0: of the last big con of the year. It's uh it's always right. the week before Thanksgiving, which is a little bit of a challenge if you have Thanksgiving family plans. Right. Uh, but it is in Dallas, Texas, which is right down the street. So uh that's a, you know, that's a cheaper one for us to get to because it's a drive rather than a fly and Right. And, uh, and you know, you can go down for a couple of days and, and it's not too bad. So And
1: they still have plenty of good food.
0: And Dallas does have a few restaurants. <laughs> uh, I have heard that. Yeah, I think um, they have
1: at least, you know, 10. 10? 10, 10 good restaurants. 10 or 12, yeah, yeah.
0: 5 or 4, at least. Um,
1: you know, there's McDonald's. Now, if I can
0: drag you down there uh, for BGGCon this year, you may have to take me to that... Uh, Brazilian um, meat paradise oh, Fogo de Chão? <laughs> yeah, that's the place <laughs> I think it's like
1: 75 bucks a head now but yeah. yeah
0: I've heard good things about that
1: It was. It, it's good, it's tasty um, Just be prepared to to waddle out <laughs> well, yeah, You don't fill up on bread, right? That's, no, there's they have a, this big salad bar that's a complete waste waste of time I don't know why anybody would even go towards that thing.
0: What we should do is we should find out if the guys from Absurdist Productions are going, because they—that's
1: what their game's about.
0: They, they designed a game called—and I never say it right—Curiscaria.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure, uh, but <laughs> not... It,
0: it, it gamifies the experience of eating at a restaurant like that, where right. you're trying to eat all the different cuts of meat and uh, avoid the salad bar, obviously. Right.
1: See, and, even in the game, you don't eat salad. Right.
0: That's that's a sucker's it's bet. Ridiculous. Right? So, it would be fun to take them and have them, you know, since I'm a complete virgin at that experience, that would be... You, you
1: know. never went... Because we had... No. We've you've, had one or two up here. I
0: know. You've been there several times, and I have not yeah. ever been on any of them, so... It's delicious. Uh, I... You know, it would be awesome.
1: It is awesome. <laughs> Very delicious.
0: Another place that I always like to hit in uh, <laughs> Dallas when we're down there is Heart 8 Barbecue, uh, which is I haven't a, been to that one with you, which is a good barbecue place, but one of the things that they do is they cook it all up. They do it all on like the barbecue grill and it's all a la carte right Okay. So you lean over the, the, you lean over the side of the thing where they've got all the meats and stuff and you're like, I'll have a quarter pound of that and a half of that roast chicken and mm-hmm. <laughs> 30 pounds of sausage right and you end up with way more food than you're ever possibly gonna eat and so mm-hmm. you, you you overeat. Uh, but it's tremendous. It's just mm-hmm. awesome.
1: And then we can go to that big game store in Plano.
0: The game store in Plano, also forgot the name of a fun the... place. It's uh, Madness. Madness. Madness Comics and Games uh, in Plano, Texas. is a must-see if you haven't been down there and you, like... Games at all.
1: I've heard they get pretty slammed too around uh, BGG time.
0: They do get really busy when the cons in session, which is about the only time I've ever been down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Shane and I hit it on the way out of town last time we went to to BGG con together, and even then it was and it was you know Sunday afternoon when we were leaving, and it was still uh, remarkably busy for a Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do a they do a lot of business, and, and they're really uh, it's just really pretty impressive because you you know you can see how. Uh, if done right, your friendly local game store can really become a community center, you know, and mm-hmm. and it obviously draws people who want to stay there and, you know, and socialize rather mm-hmm. than just come in and buy something, so.
1: Right. And if I go, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm definitely going to win one of the door prizes this year.
0: Well, I hope you do.
1: <clears throat> I don't know if I got to stuff the box or what I got to <laughs> do, but I'm I'm going to win one.
0: Well, now, the first year you and I went... The ticket that was won less than mine won yeah. this huge stack of games. Right, and then the ticket that was won more than mine
1: mm-hmm.
0: also won a huge stack of yes. games. But what did I win, Chad?
1: Um, I believe <laughs> not a darn. N- bad. Not a scratch. <clears throat> yeah,
0: <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. Zippo. Yeah, that was that was pretty bad.
1: <laughs> you want a, you know, a, a drive back home? Very sad. Right. A sad, uh, lonely drive. I was home. hoping
0: I'd get the free trip to Essen that they always give away every year. That. <clears> uh, Essen, of course, being the big uh, German um, convention mm-hmm. uh, that that draws in people not just from Germany but from all over Europe. That's their big convention in in Europe.
1: I kind of wanted one of their crokinole boards.
0: Those crokinole boards are very cool. Crokinole mm-hmm. is a what would you call that? It's a dexterity game uh, that's kind of like shuffleboard. Shuffleboard is what I but say, but it's in yeah. the round. It's yeah. a big circular board, and you're trying to. Uh, Hit pieces shuffleboard style into the, I guess it's into the center. I don't know that I know the rules to crokinole actually, yeah. But they're very impressive boards, and some of them, you know, they're they tend to be uh, handmade, and so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of them. A lot of artwork. They have artwork embedded in them, and they're made out of nice wood, and and. uh, they can be very impressive just as art pieces mm-hmm. uh, even if you don't play so
1: mm-hmm.
0: but that's kind of what our uh that's kind of what the rest of our year looks like so uh, right. so if you have a chance to come out to one of those shows that we mentioned and want to come check out what we're doing we'll obviously be showing all hands on deck and maybe also uh showing off some things that we've been working on we've been working on some new ideas and uh, God willing, we may actually have some of that close enough to actually show other people without them laughing and pointing at us. So, right.
1: Uh,
0: that's uh, that's kind of what we hope to get out there. So uh, come check us out. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you knew that it was going to happen, and it's now or never. It's time, for a, it's time for another groaner from the Barker Lounger. Chad, hit me with that dad joke of the week.
1: All right, now this is kind of a, it's an oldie and a goldie. Uh, and I'm going to change the format up on you. We're going with the knock knock joke this time. Knock knock joke. So you're going to have to work with me on it's, this one. It's
0: participatory. Yes. All
1: right. Uh, um, this one, this one's got, it's been well received at the house. So I've got a lot of confidence in this one. Knock knock. Uh, who's there? I don't know <laughs> whose house I'm at. That's weird. <laughs> Interrupting cow. Uh, interrupting oh. <laughs> see what I did there see I see
0: what you did there yeah
1: no Parker picked up on that one and it's been knock knock who's there interrupting whatever animal that he wants to make a noise moo. or is or it a cat moo? or a dog or whatever it is it spawned many many jokes nice so
0: <laughs> all right so that wraps up this episode of dice ads we thank you for listening to our podcast and we hope you come back for more in the next couple of weeks. We're still struggling to get our uh, schedule figured out, but uh, we're trying to get more and more stable as we go. So uh, if you have some thoughts on what might be added to that content or what stupid things we could take out of that content, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. You can email us at uh, DiceDads at SalamanderGames.com.
1: We have a lot of stupid content. Well,
0: we do. So if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear it. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at DiceDads. Uh, you can find us on the good old interweb at www.dicedads.com. Uh, our board game geek guild is number 3395, and currently, uh, there's only two fans, so please, please, please come join our guild. <laughs> please. Please. Uh, um, we're trying to, uh, use that to... Uh, Do deeper discussions about topics that we've started on the podcast, uh, come up with new topics uh, that we can expand on in future podcasts, and that's just a great way to be interactive with us online. Uh, You can also find out more information about Salamander Games and our line of fine products at salamandergames.com. We have t-shirts and merch and swag and all kinds of fun things available in our store at redbubble.com, which you can get to from DiceDads.com or salamandergames.com, or you can just search DiceDads at Redbubble. Our bumpers and transitional music are selections from the album Burton Slowdown by Adam Main. Check out more of his amazing work on iTunes and wherever fine digital music is sold. Dice Dads is a production of Salamander Games, and the the views and opinions expressed by the host of this show do not reflect the opinions of any sane, normal, or rational person and should be disregarded as complete and utter nonsense. Complete. Thanks for listening.
1: Take care, and remember, when you're rolling dice, it's best to use your hand and not your nose.